0: Welcome back into it, Marlins fans, to the only place where there are no labor disputes, no arguments over salaries, and where the length of the season, it's up to your imagination. It's swimming upstream. It's Alex and Daniel here with you again for the third part of our Consensus Top 100 Prospects rankings. And Daniel, I'm stoked for this episode because we're getting into those deeper down guys uh, that are really starting to turn some heads for us and I think will in the future for the fans.
1: Happy to be back, Alex. Um, I really am ready to go deep today. I'm telling you, you don't, you don't get this in any other podcast, blog. You know, this is it. Going this deep, talking this much about these players who don't get talked about. Um, that's that's why I love doing this.
0: For sure, man. It, we're we're so glad that you're here again. Uh, we do want to mention a bit of unfortunate news that we got lately uh, within the last couple of days on Twitter. Uh, and elsewhere, uh, it was inevitable. It's inevitable for every team, and the Marlins are no exception. Uh, they've reportedly released 30, at least 30, minor league players. Uh, you know, with no revenue coming in, these guys are still making their stipends, which they very well should be. You know, even though they're not playing games, it should be taken care of. Uh, and with the contraction of minor league baseball, you know, coming possibly next, probably next minor league season, I should say. Uh, again, like I said, an inevitable step for every major league team. Uh, I, I'm sure I can speak for both of us, Daniel, when I can say that, you know, our, our thoughts go out to these guys that have had their their major league, uh, you know, stateside dreams put on hold. Um, you know, reportedly it's mostly international guys with a couple stateside guys included. Uh, dreams put on hold, but definitely not over. So uh, we want to give our thoughts to those guys. We don't have anything official yet on who they are, so we're not going to put any names out. Uh, that may be coming out in the coming days, maybe not, but we do want to mention that for sure.
1: That's exactly right. Um, definitely sad to hear, but, but as you said, um, expected. Let's, let's wait and see who those names are, and hopefully they, they'll get you know back and running with other teams soon.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, we'll have more out on those guys when we know who they are, exactly who they are, but uh, we don't expect uh, those cuts, at least right now, to affect uh, our rankings list, so no uh, effect there at least uh but yeah uh do want to mention those guys uh finally uh, you know i'm, I'm not going to spend too long on this daniel you and i just talked about it we're we're not we're not in the frame of mind to really go deep on this it's going been gone deep enough too on twitter and other places uh about these apparent negotiations that are ongoing in, in major league baseball for the resumption of the season and and for me daniel it's getting so frustrating man like every other sport every other major sport you know can return and can have, you know, somewhat of a season and, 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 you know, get back on the field of play for the fans. You know, basically, like I said, every single other major sport, but baseball just can't do it because of the greed really on both sides of the ball. You know, I'm not going to sit here and blame just the owners or blame just the players, but you know, you go through this process, you have the league threaten, no, we're not going to have a season. Then you have the union say, okay, well we want ready to play. Just tell us when and where that's literally a quote. And then the league comes back and does that. And the players want more games. So, it really comes down to greed on both sides of the ball. Um, it's very frustrating for me. As much as I want baseball back, for me, what are you looking at in terms of a 2020 baseball season? 60 games max, no fans. I read the news today that you're starting with the terrible rule that I hate in minor league baseball with yeah. a runner at second base and then an extremely limited amount of time for these guys to get back into playing shape. You're looking at two weeks for a finish. "Quote unquote," the spring training. So these guys are going to be putting their health at risk in multiple ways, whether it be COVID or you know just by their bodies not being ready for you know even sixty games worth of play. So you know it's just it's just a, an unwinnable situation for me. Uh, and what worries me most personally, Daniel, is the long-term ramifications of this between these negotiations again, "quote unquote," with the league. You know, it's left a bad taste in the mouths of the union. So maybe in coming seasons we're looking at you know more you know discontent between the two sides you know i don't want to mention the word strike but maybe that's that's a possibility so yeah just 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 not a good look for either side
1: that's right uh next year uh, with the cba this i mean everything that's being done today is is both sides looking towards that you know towards those negotiations because that that's the big dog you know any concession they they give now any any um, precedent they make now that goes towards that. That's why they're being so careful. But yeah, to me, it's the same thing. It's both sides and it really sucks. One of the things that really stressed me out really frustrated me um, and, and we, um, you know, it has to do with that, with our stuff here. What we're talking about is who cares for the, for the, for the amateurs for the college and high school kids who are coming in the draft, they got really screwed. And they were just used as a as a negotiation piece between those two parties because they don't have a union, and that just that is how what I feel it just is not right. You know how many players got really screwed um, with with the decisions that were made, um, but but yeah, so it's 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 unfortunate. Let's hope they um, reach an agreement and we can have some baseball and have it. Been done correctly without too much creativity, as you mentioned, with those uh, ugly rules. Um, But yeah, I just just want to see the Marlins playing. Um, Hopefully, I heard also—I don't know if you heard about this—a possible uh, Arizona Fall League, um, a a larger one where teams are sending more players, and that could be amazing for us with what we do with with prospects. Um, So, if that were to happen, in in, I don't know, October or November, if possible, that the great
0: yeah it's it's definitely an interesting time for sure but um you know for me it's who cares about 2020 i'm looking forward after that anyways we're not going to spend too terribly Mm -hmm. long on that i want to get back into this list i i I want to really to really get back into some real marlins baseball and look at this these these lower down guys starting to get into the lower down guys i should say uh we begin Uh, We left off at 48. Uh, We we go back in at number 49. So breaking back into that back end of the top 50 uh, here on our list. uh, I have number 49. It's Ian Lewis. Uh, Ian Lewis, international signee from last year's class out of the Bahamas. Uh, He was the country's top rated prospect. So he shares the country with another top prospect of ours that was at the top of our list, Josh Chisholm. Uh, So definitely some camaraderie there between those guys and guys that you see hanging out at camp and uh, rubbing shoulders, so you love to see that. Uh, So he signed with the Marlins for a a big price tag, uh, $950,000, so definitely didn't come cheap. Uh, You know, had his showcase at Marlins Park, you know, kind of showed him out in that regard, gave him the jersey and everything. So, uh, yeah, definitely a guy they're high on. Um, He's in the same draft class as Jose Salas, uh, who we've talked about. Uh, What we do know about him is that from the few workouts and everything that we've seen, we haven't seen him play yet like Salas. Uh, but, uh, what we do know about him is from what we've been told by the Marlins international scouting director, Fernando Seguidlal. I'm probably butchering that name, but, uh, it is what it is. Uh, (laughs) again, like Salas, uh, Lewis is a switch hitter. He's very physically immature. Again, like Salas, he's even smaller than Salas, actually 5'10", 150. Uh, so yeah, a tiny little dude. Um, looking at the film that I've seen on him, I see encouraging mechanics, uh, he's got high shoulders and elbows, uh, doesn't drop them, head stays down, quite possibly the best tools in soft, uh, when it comes to hands. He's got the soft, tool, soft hands, uh, quick wrists, uh, profiles to good bat speed, good follow-through on the swing with a little bit of uppercut, which you think he could add some power just based off that, uh, not to mention body growth. Um, mechanic, like I said, uh, promotes, promotes good power, um, and if he could do that, I think he could go far. Uh, he plays all over the field with the same hands that we just mentioned, uh, arm strength is good. Footwork's all good. Uh, profiles best currently as another shortstop again, like Salas and like his buddy Chisholm. Uh, but could potentially wind up at third base if he builds that power tool. Uh, the only reason, like I said, he's so far down for me is because so little is known about him, even less than Salas. Uh, you know, Salas has a good pedigree as a third generation player. So you tend to go higher up on him. He also has a much more polished swing and a little bit more size. Uh, so yeah, that's why Salas is so far up, and Lewis is a little further down for me, um, just based on on uh, you know, like I said, the pedigree, bigger size, and what we've seen so far. Um, but this is a guy who who definitely isn't going to stay here. I think he's going to fly up the rankings when we see him play. Uh, easy to see a lot of stuff in the making in the making for him, uh, and easy to see why the Marlins dropped that big price tag on him. He's a potential five-tool guy, quick as
1: lightning, right? that's, that's what I hear. Just absolutely. Um plus, plus speed <clears throat> from him. Um, but, but yeah, I, I see him probably starting next season, either DSL uh, or GCL. I think Salas would be starting GCL. I don't know if he, he'd be there as well, or maybe they give um, Ian a try at DCL, a DSL first. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see where they begin. So I'll continue. Um, number 40 to close out our top 50 we have a reliever, a lefty reliever, Dylan Lee. He arrived, uh, you, he was drafted by Miami in 2016 in the 10th round um, out of Fresno State. 25 years old, he's four. so solid. Um, he has a solid frame. He is, well, I mean, we already talked about Vessia on episode number one, as well as um, Tyler Stevens Evil last episode, so he's the next reliever on our list. Dylan used to be a starter, actually, uh, but really struggled the first, I think it was the first couple of years, um, one or two years, so was converted to a reliever in 2018 and really, really, really found a home as a reliever. Absolutely beautiful results in 2018, um, which was, again, his first season as a reliever with a 160 ERA, 9.15 K-9 per rate, uh, 174 average against, 85% runners left on base. That and that was through three levels in 2018. In 2019, he did regress a bit, just like Stevens and Evils, also a victim of the crazy hitting uh, PCL in AAA. So he was demoted and was sent up and down a couple of times during the season. Um, between A AA and AAA, he ended up with a 2.91 ERA, but mostly because of his amazing numbers in Double A. So his numbers weren't that bad, but you, do, you never want to be demoted, right? Uh, 4.25 FIP. So, you know, that 2.91 year, right, may be misleading 8.60 K per nine and sp- still in above average, 82.1% of runners left on base. So he's really good at that. He's really good at stranding runners. While he doesn't get hit hard. Um, he does need uh, to work on lowering his walk numbers. He actually was invited to big league spring training as well this year he should have started triple a i'm assuming uh next season
0: yeah uh dylan lee this is another guy um you know you mentioned he's an older guy um you know uh out of fresno state he did two years in juco as well so two years in two years um you know he pitched his senior year out of the pen um that's where his future is he has no future as a starter he is a exclusive pen piece um you know, it, it's a guy who, who has the good size, like you said. Uh, really struggled in AAA, as you said. Um, but those lifestyles are different. Not to mention you mentioned the, the the hitter-friendly environments. You know, in AAA, you have you also have this to add on the the longer travel distances. You're on planes instead of buses. You're playing at higher altitudes in the PCL, stuff like that, where the ball really flies. Um, you know, he was back and forth between uh, AA and AAA last year um we mentioned the size um uh, you know as, as good as the size is he's 6'4 215 220 you know 210 220 between there um doesn't really have a lot of velo Heats really mostly straight um really only has the one usable secondary pitch which is change up uh, good feel for that pitch uh he could throw it with the same arms a bit as a fastball it's a good combo um but that's really all he has um you know he has a couple other pitches that he can throw but you know they don't really live up to a big league future um but just based off that two pitch combo i i think he could be usable as a reliever um in the pros uh he's another one of these guys that we describe as a wait and see piece um extremely nice dude um you know but just a guy that you kind of limit the ceiling just based off where he is in his career and the, uh, the immaturity in the stuff, like I said, the two pitchers. So, yeah, Dylan Lee, usable out of the bullpen, but we'll see what happens with him. Quick uh, conversation piece here.
1: Um, I, I didn't see his splits. I, I wasn't able to see his splits before this, but having the change-up be his, you know, best secondary pitch, I would assume that he wouldn't suffer as much um, with, the, with the new rule, with the new, um, you know, minimum rule. Change-up right. being a really good pitch against, uh, you know, batters that, that hit from the other side. I would assume, again, without looking at his splits, that he wouldn't suffer as much. Yeah, no, yeah, or
0: yeah, right. his, his splits favor of the lefties as well. Um, he is better against lefties, which a lot of left-handed relievers are. So, you know, he comes into a game where he gets two out of three lefties, and he could definitely thrive in that role. So, yeah, mm-hmm. Lee, a guy you look at and you say, you know, uh, has somewhat of a big league future It's going to temper the expectations But anyways, moving on to 51 yep. I got him with Demetrius Sims uh, Well-decorated high schooler Especially in his senior year in 2013 uh, Hit 323 that year uh, 24 RBIs run runs scored And 22 stolen bases He was first team all-conference All-county, all-district Went all across the board in that regard uh, Team won the district title And he was recruited to Bethune-Cookman um he redshirted his fresh- freshman year before turning in three really solid campaigns in the rest of his college career. Uh never hit under 280 uh and never OBP'd under 350 in college. Uh, again, all four college years. So uh has had regular progression up the minor league ladder since coming to the Marlins. Uh bigger last year started in Clinton. Uh he hit 297, 405, 428 with the Lumber Kings before getting the college Jupiter. Uh, Did well there, too, especially considering the Florida State League, right? Uh, 254, 339, 406. Uh, Biggest strength has always been creating really simple contact. Uh, He makes contact more often than not, is able to put the ball in play, and lets the speed do the rest. Um, He's added some power to his game last year. Uh, Total 24 doubles, three triples, and seven homers, actually. Uh, So, yeah, between, like I said, uh, single A, Clinton, and uh, Jupiter. So, like I said, a guy with simple mechanics, uh, he's mostly made for singles and average, uh, but the speed is able to do more for him, uh, uh, able to make him profile for more than that. Uh, He's got good range at both middle infield spots. Um, He's a natural shortstop who can really, really do it with a glove. Uh, Arm accuracy, um, you know, he's grown it quite a bit in his minor league career. Wasn't the best coming out of college, but now it's gotten better. Uh, the thing you'd really like to see from him is the ability to take pitches and draw more walks at the plate. The walk rate of just around 9% in his minor league career, which is really what limits the offensive ceiling for me. Uh, but like I said, a great year last year, added to the power. Uh, needs to prove it at the upper levels of the minors, which that's where he's headed when we get back going. But you'd like to see what we've seen lately. I, you know, like we said a lot about a lot of these guys, lesser talked about guy. Uh, probably you know the utility or late inning replacement type guy but you know if he could add a little bit more power and grow a little bit more uh, you know he could challenge uh although it's at a loaded position for the marlins especially in the uh in the uh in the distant future uh he could profile as a potential starting or platoon piece edge stuff. so to be completely honest to me sims is a player that
1: basically burst into the scene in 2019. I didn't even have him him in my rear view mirror before last season started. started. (laughs) Extreme jump uh, every single category from 2018 to 2019. This is why, you know, I started looking at him. 180 point jump in OPS went from an 84 WRC plus to a 132 slugging jump from 294 to 412. Um, And this is half of the season in the Florida State League. I mean, this isn't easy, easy stuff. Um, Something to keep in mind, though, is that he had a very, very high uh, BABIP in 2019, a 382, which is way above average. So we should, you know, keep watching to see what happens next year. The only thing he did regress on, the only thing that I see um, from 2018 to 2019 was his K percentage. It jumped from 23% to 28%. So also, um, you know, we need to keep monitoring that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's continue here. Number 52 was Josh uh, Roberson, a guy I really, really like. Uh, Drafted in the 12th round in 2017 by Miami uh, out of the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. 24 years old. So as I mentioned, a guy I really like story with him is that he was projected to go first round or early second round, but had Tommy John surgery and his draft was ruined. Uh, So he ended up going in the 12th round, thankfully to us. The the fact that his minor's career had to wait uh, for his recovery means that he's a bit old for the level that he's in, but his stuff doesn't lie. You know, he sits in the mid-90s, easily touches 99, also throws a nasty breaking ball that he can give a slider or a curve form uh, to, as well as a changeup. Amazing first pro season in 2018 in the lower levels with a 1.30 ERA, 0.97 whip. He did start 2019 well, but got hurt, again, missed more than half of the season, um, came back strong, was a big part of those of the playoffs hunt and results. Um, you know, he had two solid postseason starts there with Clinton. His 2019 season ended with a 2.25 ERA, 230 average against. He is a guy who doesn't get hit hard. Uh, he has only given up three home runs in his career something that I would like him to do is find a way to increase his K numbers. I mean, he has this stuff. Um, and since he's playing in lower levels for his age, he should be higher up. He's living in the eight to nine K per nine range. I feel like for his stuff, he should be higher than that. So if, if, if Roberson is able to stay healthy, I see very good things in his future. I really like him. Um, I feel he should be a part of a strong really strong Jupiter rotation next season.
0: Yeah, uh, Daniel, great stuff there. Uh, this is a guy, again, you said 12th round selection, UNC Wilmington. Um, he really didn't begin starting until uh, his junior year, you know, before going uh, undergoing the Tommy John. Uh, so, yeah, obviously, you know, the, the innings took a wear on his arm. Uh, he was probably throwing higher effort than a starter should, and that's probably what led to it under the the, the, uh, the strain of all the innings. Um, you know, this, he's a guy who – was months away from any kind of throwing, you know, routines before uh, and leading up to and at the draft. But Miami took a chance on him in the 12th round. And I don't think they've regretted it since. Uh, The results for him have been off the charts. You mentioned them, Uh, you know, 1.78 ERA, 1.18 WIP in his minor league career so far with a 97-35 KBB. You know, like you said, and I had the same thing, that you want to see him strike out more guys, but this is a guy who's not getting hit. not only has his arm come back, uh, but it's, he's been able to do so as a rotational piece, which, you know, that's what led to the injury. You know, him becoming a starter, you know, straight on the arm. Uh, he's been able to come back and, and really make it as a starter. And, and that's what you like to see out of a guy. Another guy, by the way, Daniel, we talked about this last time. And not the only guy in this episode that we hope to get to that underwent Tommy John. So, like we said, the Marlins are making, really making a name for this, uh, bringing guys back from Tommy John surgery and have been doing so understand Meek, and now again under dj's failing so they really don't shy away from guys especially in the later rounds to take them after coming off tommy john uh uh back to uh roberson uh a guy who we saw throw in um in spring this year uh in a sim game i believe it was against the nationals uh double AA, a triple a squad and he looked amazing the 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 curveball slider combo that he has is ridiculous he has both pitches that kind of blend into one another but they make a really really good pitch for him. It's definitely his best pitch. Uh, he's got the good size, 6'3", 175. Uh, uses it to plane downhill. Uh, built his command back really quickly after the surgery. Didn't seem like he missed a beat really in his progression. Um, without looking at his career stat page, you wouldn't think he really missed a, you know, a second of his career. So, yeah, uh, a low-risk, high-reward kind of guy in the 12th round uh, that looks like he's on his way to the latter side of that. Uh, Will probably start next year, like you said, in Jupiter. Uh, which should be a really great rotation. You also mentioned that. It
1: really is looking, yeah. With these yep. new draftees,
0: I'm loving it. Yep. and uh, with, with, with success there, I, I think he could make it up to Double A, especially uh, since we're going to get going in 2021. So as long as the health holds up, there's a lot to like about uh, Josh Roberson at 52. Uh, we're going to 53. I have it. Nick Reddy. Nick Reddy, excuse me. Uh, a master, I like to say, of air and sea, right? So he comes from the Air Force Academy to the Marlins. Uh, the son of former Padres player turned hammerheads and shrimp coach, Nick, Re- uh, excuse me, Randy Reddy. Uh So before we even get to anything mechanical or really baseball related when it comes to Nick himself, uh, he's got the pedigree. So he's a power heavy third baseman uh, who had double digit homers in three of his four seasons at the Academy uh, included 20 in 2018. So 20 Homer guy in 2018 for the air force Academy Falcons, uh, which don't play in a uh, really hitter-friendly park, especially in terms of how high their fences are in right and center field. Uh, Go look at a picture of that stadium if you want to know what I'm talking about. But it's really, really an interesting look for uh, any baseball player, especially a collegiate player. Um, Won the college baseball home run derby uh, in 2018. He hit 55 home run folks in that home run derby. got in a solid 288, 391, 356 wood bat showing in Northwoods league, uh, that off season, 2018 off season. Uh, and that's really what made this guy jump up draft boards. Uh, the Marlins took him, uh, probably was not even seen as a draftable piece, but that showing in Northwoods league really stood out for him, including the Harmon derby too, because he really put his power in display. Uh, so yeah, drafted in round 23 in 2019. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously out of Air Force, you say, okay, we get a guy out of, uh, you know, an armed forces school. How can he play baseball without honoring his commitment to the armed forces? Because obviously before baseball was a thing, this guy signed on to be in the Air Force. Uh, so the out on this for him is that there's a clause called the World Class Athletes Program. It's, it's mostly created for Olympians. Uh, and uh, that's where he really got his out. Um, Reddy was able to continue his baseball career uh, pretty much completely uninterrupted. Uh, all of 2020 would have counted as enlisted time for Randy Reddy. Uh, and probably still will, considering we don't know what's happening. Um, he would have to miss spring training next year, uh, per that clause. But he would be able to return in time for the regular MILB season with his tour of duty completed. So he'd be out of the Air Force honorably and into baseball with the Marlins full time. Uh, incredible initial showing with the Muck Dogs last year. 263 with a 508 slugging percentage, with 10 homers and 30 doubles in just 67 games. 42 of his 69 hits went for extra bases. Uh, we talk about the WRC plus for Randy Reddy, uh, excuse me, for Nick Reddy, the son of Randy Reddy, a ridiculous 140 WRC plus. It's one short season showing, but you don't do that by accident in your first uh, season. In the pros uh 6'3 220 pounder and he's a pure slugger uh to improve his body uh in times of covid uh you look at his instagram he's literally lifting dead hogs at the back of his pickup drug so how can you disagree with that kind of determination and work ethic from yeah. uh, nick Reddy? uh because of that kind of work he's probably one of the most physically impressive specimens for me in the system shows it at the plate power first tool power over hit tool Uh, We say that a lot uh, about a lot of these guys. But, yeah, he's definitely got the power more so than the pure average hit tool. Uh, But the power is absolutely absurd. You'd like to see him develop a bit more at the plate with discipline. Uh, You know, 82-20 KBB last year with Batavia. So, that'll need to improve as he comes up. But, yeah, uh, the standout power tool. He's got decent defense around the bag at third base. So, yeah, uh, Nick Reddy. We like him.
1: Agreed. Nothing much to add there. Uh, K-rate is a bit high, um, but I really like him as well. Um, I had his date. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I had his, his date that were, where he would be missing, I think, after August. He would need to report to Charleston and then be back by, I think it was June. Or did you hear it maybe earlier than that?
0: Yeah, I heard it was a little earlier. I, I heard it was like a you know, a few months commitment there. And then he would be back uh, uh, by time, by the time spring training started. But either way. Hopefully.
1: Yeah, no, he'll definitely be ready. Um, probably with, with Clinton or uh, single a whichever team is yeah. for Miami at that point. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would say that's where he would start. All right, let's continue with number 54, Nick Fortes, catcher, drafted in the fourth round in 2018 by Miami. Um, 23 years old. He is six foot right hitter. So coming out of college, Fortes was regarded as an athletic catcher with, with solid power, um, who could get to it in games with, with excellent plate discipline and good barrel control. In his last college season at, at Mississippi, he walked nearly as twice as often as he struck out. So, I mean, the bat looked amazing. You know, that's that's what, what Miami thought he was getting. As a pro, we just haven't really seen any of that um, with the bat. In two pro seasons, with nearly 100 games under his belt, he has hit three home runs and a combined 600 OPS, which is well below average. The one good thing in terms of his bat is his K rate, uh, which is is around 12%, which is really good. It really is. Um, Defensively, he has a good arm with solid blocking and receiving skills. I've heard great stuff from, from pitchers. Um, that throw to him. They really love throwing throwing to him. So after 51 prospects, this is only our second catcher. It's, or sorry, after 53 prospects, it is is only our second catcher. It's a position where we're very um, thin throughout our system. I definitely thought we were getting one or two catchers in the draft. Um, hasn't happened yet. Uh, all pitchers and, and a couple position players um after that for the undrafted guys but um it's a position where we'll probably you know have to bring bring some either via a trade or uh next draft but it's, it's definitely one of those positions that we need, do need to um fill out in our system uh, the highest level nick has played at is high a he'll probably he'll i would think he'll probably start at double a next season yeah
0: daniel this is a guy um you know like you said the thinness of catchers in the position uh uh, for the marlins um this is a guy who really hasn't had the health hold up for him and for a catcher which is one of the most physically demanding spots on the diamond you really don't like to see that um he struggled with it in, in his freshman year in college um struggled again last year uh you know with it uh you know so yeah uh 76 games last year with Jupiter, uh, at the catching spot, you know, they were platooning a little bit with other guys, but he did have struggles with the health. Uh, like you mentioned, he does have the good game calling skills arm, which profiled as his biggest tool, um, coming into the draft fell off really a little bit last year for me, 29% cost ceiling percentage and did next to nothing with the bat. You know, obviously you got to take, you know, the position that he plays and obviously the Florida state league into account. Um, you know, sub 220 batting average and sub 300 on-base percentage for Nick uh, Fortes last year, um, barely OPS 600. So he's gonna have to do more, despite the thinness in the position with the bat, um, and make sure the health really holds up to do much uh, with the Marlins. Uh, like we said, despite the uh, the the lack of catching depth that we have, um, he can possibly do that next year uh, if he can stay healthy. Like you said, he should get pushed up. He's 23. Um, really needs to make the serious strides with the bat, though, if he wants to succeed with the Marlins. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see what happens with, uh, with Fortes. Some question marks around him for sure. But, um, yeah, we'll see where he goes. Uh, 55 is Joe Dunand, uh, another guy like uh, my last guy, Reddy, with excellent baseball bloodlines, right? Uh, mm-hmm. This guy, Dunand, is the nephew of none other than Alex Rodriguez, uh, obviously the Yankees standout, and potential future Hall of Famer. Uh, Born in Miami, uh, which we love to see. Uh, Went to Gulliver Prep, big school down here. In 2014 for Gulliver Prep, nine homers, uh, you know, so in uh, a 12-game stretch uh, during the playoff run for Gulliver Prep. Absolutely ridiculous stretch for him. Uh, Like I said, nine homers and 12 at-bats. That's not something you see, especially out of a high school kid. Uh, He dreamed of playing for UM. Uh, whose actual baseball field is named for Alex Rodriguez, his uncle, uh, but settled on playing at NC State. Uh, a solid career there, uh, mostly as a third baseman. Again, like his uncle, uh, two sixty eight, three thirty four, four seventy six uh, for NC State. Really grew into his power in his senior year. Uh, I'm sorry, in his final season, uh, hit eighteen bombs. Uh, added on a good showing in the Cape. Uh, taken by the Marlins in the second round in 2017. Uh, who really thought? He had big time power potential, right? Hasn't shown much of that in his first two seasons pro, especially when it comes to home run type power. Uh, he split 2018 between Jupiter and Jacksonville spent all of 29, with the sh- 2019 with the shrimp. Uh, he's smaller than Arod for sure. At least, at least currently. Uh, but they look very similar in the face. You know, this guy, you look around him in the dugout and you can definitely see that he's related uh, to Rodriguez. Um, the thing you hate to see about this guy is there is a ton of swing and miss to him and not much play discipline at all. A 119.38 KBB last year. Uh, career K rate is, uh, I think, over 28%. Uh, he's not finding anywhere near enough barrels to overlook that, uh, that K rate. Uh, the line drive percentage under 18% last season. Bat speed's pretty average. Swing can get a little long. Um, you know, if he's going to succeed, he really needs to make adjustments, especially when it comes to his timing and getting out in front. Um, little to no plate vision limits him. He is a natural third baseman. Marlins tried to grow him as a shortstop, but he doesn't have much speed or range. So yeah, at a power position, he's definitely got to develop that power tool. Um, you know, like we said, the Marlins thought they were getting something. They haven't really gotten it yet. There's still room to grow. You know, he's 24. He's got time left. Um, you know, a season or two left in the minors, at least to show it at a standout level. Um, But he just doesn't show enough contact to be that power only type threat that he profiles as uh, with the K rate. So he needs to grow into more contact. If he can't grow the power, he definitely needs to grow into more contact uh, at the back end of his minor league career. Um, Decent ceiling for now, but I'm limiting it. Uh, I don't see starter potential out of Joe Dunand at the big league level, unfortunately, but hopefully he can prove me wrong.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm still going to say that I haven't given up on him. Um, the raw power is there. Uh, he probably needs to make some mechanical changes to be able to tap into it. I can tell you right now uh, that when I started this list in 2017, he was in the top 20s. That says two things. One,
0: mm-hmm. our
1: system has really grown <laughs> and was filled with amazing talents. I mean, that's. I mean, right now he's in the 60s. He was top 20 couple of years ago two to three years ago and two uh dude has really disappointed you know I, I i edit this list every month you know as my hobby and i just remember him going down 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 every single month you know it's it's he has just not lived up to to expectations i if, if i'm miami i'd have him repeat uh double a next season just start there see what happens um because he really regressed from I mean he didn't have a great season uh, 2018 95 wrc plus but he did hit 14 home runs 2019 though he absolutely regressed only 5 home runs in 130 games with a 240 average um, yeah let's let's hope he, he comes back next season number 56 from third baseman to reliever this is right-handed reliever CJ Carter also, a kid I really like. A draft in the 29th round um, in, in 2018 by Miami. These, by the way, are the type of guys you think about uh, with that five-round draft. Pick number 867. Uh, well, he's killing it in the minors and will definitely fight for an MLB spot moving forward. Guys like him this year, sadly, may have to get rid of those dreams. So, just something to, to think about uh. 23 years old, uh, six feet side armor, Charvez Jordan Wesley Carter, CJ <laughs> Carter. Um, he probably has the nastiest delivery in our system. Not a high velo guy, but he has an extremely nasty breaking ball, especially coming from that angle. Amazing start to his career. He pitched in three levels last season and really impressed. Uh, 11 points, uh, 13K per nine, 124 WHIP. 2.30 ERA, something interesting uh, that happened in both 2018 and 2019 with, with CJ is that he was absolutely slaughtered in the last outing of the season, both years, six runs in 0.2 innings in 2018 and five runs in one inning in 2019. Um, so both those outings really blew up his ERA and whips for both seasons. So those numbers that I gave you, you know, had that last outing um in them so take take him even with a grain of salt he was chosen to represent miami in the arizona fall league but had horrible results with an eight eight you know eight plus era it was really bad obviously in a small sample size he's got the stuff and the deception to fight for an mlb spot um big league teams are always looking for pitchers who give the opposing hitters different looks so He has a solid chance, even though he was pick number 867,
0: right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, C.J. Carter, uh, another one of my favorite nicknames in the system that I bestow upon him. Uh, This guy I nicknamed the Unicorn because C.J. Carter is an absolute unique specimen, and here's why. Like you said, he's 2017 draftee out of true University. He signed there as a sophomore um, after just a single season at D1. Uh, you know, something you rarely see, Uh, you know, like I said, one year at D1 ball, uh, obviously he's a late round pick, but the Marlins saw something in him and they signed him for a very low price tag of 50K at 867 overall in the 29th round. Uh, The second rarely seen thing from CJ Carter, when he makes the bigs, which I think he will, he will be the latest Marlins pick to ever do it. And just the third player at that draft slot to ever do so. So already, before we even get to anything on the field, he's a huge oddity, right? Uh, like you mentioned, 2018 at Batavia, 3.95 ERA in 27 innings, 1.28 whip, 35.17 KBB. Uh, huge season last year. Started with Clinton, 2.27 ERA, 1.17 whip, and great control numbers, 39.8 KBB. Uh, joined the Hammerheads midseason where the stats were absolutely absurd. He allowed one single earned run in 22 innings pitched for the Hammerhead. 0. 0.41 ERA, 1.14 WHIP, 27, 22-7 20 KBB. Uh, ended his year by making one single appearance in Double A. Wasn't good there, but we're going to overlook it. Uh, that's a huge jump for anybody, let alone a 29th rounder. So not going to put a lot of attention into that. Uh, like you mentioned, the AFL as well, Arizona Fall League. Um, I think, though, with more time against upper miners competition, he should be able to put all of that past him. Um, as much as in the way that he was drafted, the mechanics are absolutely – you look at this guy throw, and you're like, what is this? Right? Like, <laughs> I, I watched him throw uh, two springs ago, and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. You know? yeah. <laughs> he's six foot one sixty five, so he's a small guy. That's right. Not much velo, ninety one ninety three. 93 um, He relies on the deception um he has a uh, one plus plus pitch it's a wipeout slider uh good spin rates on it good late break um he could throw it uh both in and out of the zone for whiffs um he can double and triple up on that pitch uh with uh, similar result uh either you know fighting guys fighting the ball off or just swinging and missing so it, it's a big pitch for him uh fastball has both rise and sink on it uh because of his arm slot which I'll get to um also has a little bit of arm side run 45 50 grade fastball which is definitely usable Uh, and definitely a a big second, uh, biggest pitch for him. Uh, He has a mid-80s changeup with Sink. He did work with that pitch last year in terms of feel. Um, He has a curveball, but it can kind of blend into the slider. So I think he may drop that pitch at the next level. So yeah, he he has four pitches, but I really think only two to three are usable. Um, His crutches, like I said, is that fastball slider combo. Um, What we really, really, really like about CJ is this guy and the way he comes to the plate. Deception in the delivery, right? Uh, again, like I said, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Again, we call him the unicorn. Uh, coming out of college, he threw from both the windup and stretch. He since dropped the windup and is strictly stretch. Um, and this stretch is, like I said, you look at it, and even looking at it as a fan, let alone a hitter, what is this guy doing? I mean, he barely lifts his front foot off the, off the mound uh, before coming to his apex, uh, which is middle high. Um, and then he comes home and doesn't release until a low sidearm slot, which Daniel just mentioned. Uh, Despite the limited size, the delivery, like I said, because of how long he holds onto the ball and gets deep into that sidearm slot, it limits the distance to the plate. Like I said, this is a six-foot kid who's limiting distance to the plate. So it's definitely a very, very, very unique look for hitters and something that's next to impossible for them to time. Just not something you expect uh, from a guy that is built like CJ. Uh, He just turned 23. Um, He just cracked double-A. That's where I expect him to start next year. Um, He pounds Mm his own quality strikes, great command and control. Uh, Like I said, the very unique look, minimal effort behind it, and he challenges hitters, and he usually wins. So, yeah, I think he has a really good future as a bullpen piece for the Marlins. And for the guy out of the 29th round, that's not too shabby. So, yeah, Carter, uh, really extreme oddity. uh, When you guys see him pitch, or if you have seen him pitch, you know what I'm talking about. So, yeah, really like CJ. Uh, we go to 57. Uh, another reliever, Vincenzo Aiello. Uh, a bit of an interesting Vincenzo. story to Aiello.
1: <laughs> What'd you say? It's absolutely Italian name. I love it. Vincenzo yeah.
0: Aiello. Yeah, not love the it. Italian stallion, but maybe has the makings <laughs> of, 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 a, of a second Italian stallion. That's uh, Vincenzo right. Vincenzo Aiello. Uh, yeah, uh, honor shows Italian roots being born in Staten Island uh, in New York. Uh, recruited to Ryder University in New Jersey at a, after high school. Uh, pitched out of town with average results uh, in his first two seasons there. Uh, was set to make the transition to starting in his junior year, but missed almost the whole season with an injury. Uh, got in just four starts uh, that uh, junior year. Uh, remained healthy in his redshirt junior year, and finally got his chance in Rider's rotation, and the results weren't good. Uh, was just way too hittable. Not, not you know, t- uh, too far out of the zone and not too, too many walks, but just this stuff just didn't live up to starting. Uh, a 4.61 ERA, 1.65 whip, in 80 innings there. Uh, like I said, he did limit walks, just a 3.8 uh, walks per nine. But, um, yeah, just proved he was more, more fit for relief. Um, he made a summer ball appearance uh, before transferring to Oklahoma in the Big 12 for his fifth collegiate season. Again, a Um Nearly exclusive one-inning reliever for the Sooners. Really didn't have good results there either. Um, kind of a big jump in conference for him. 24 innings, 24 for two innings, 5.47 ERA, 1.7 whip, uh, 39.18 KBB. What the Marlins bought in on with Ayello was the control and the size 6'3, 220 coming out of college. Uh, and he had the blueprint for four pitches. Uh, Miami took him as a very low risk experimental piece, experimental piece in the 28th round. Uh, and the experiment has really started to produce some lightning in a bottle for the Marlins. Um, under pro coaching, he's really thrived in terms of where his stuff was and where it's gotten to. Um, being drafted as a 22-year-old, I mean, pushed pretty aggressively through the system. Um, career MLB numbers through three seasons, uh, in which he's gone from the GCL all the way up to Double A. Uh, 121 innings pitched, uh, 2.9 ERA, 1.03 WHIP. And a 149.38 KBB. So you really like to see those kind of control numbers, especially from a reliever who can come in and strain some runners, not allow too many free passes, get some ground balls, stuff like that. Um, He's improved his mechanics a ton, uh, remaining much more upright on the mound, whereas before he was a little hunched over. uh, Ports more of his size into his delivery and is a much better downward plane from where he was in college. Um, He's also changed uh, his his arm motion. Uh, He was a full arm circle. Now he's not really even a third of an arm circle. Um, release point is also much higher stride is smaller. Like I said, uh, making more deception, more of his size. Uh, he lands much better with his toe pointed towards home plate. Whereas before he would kind of fall off, uh, to the first base side, uh, stuff is solid. Taylor Taylor made, uh, to be a multiple interim reliever, or at least definitely a single interim reliever. Uh, he's low, low, low effort, uh, repeatable. It's got the four pitch makeup. Like I said, uh, another low VL guy, uh, 91, 93 tops, uh, you know, 94, 95. Uh, good late run on the fastball. He's a guy that's going to need to really make the most of his command and nip corners and not float it over to keep it away from hitters and keep away from barrels um, at the next level. Uh, best pitch is a slurve, low 80s. Uh, high arc, good sweeping action to it. Um, it's command dependent, again, like the fastball. But with the improved mechanics, uh, it's allowed him to manipulate the lower half much better. Um, he mixes in a third pitch changeup. Uh, he takes enough off of it. It doesn't, it doesn't really have a lot of depth, but he takes enough off of it to create some good Velo separation, 77-80 uh, uh, on the changeup. Um, like I said, good changeup pace pitch for him. Uh, yeah, so A.O., uh, a three- to four-pitch guy out of the pen. you like to see that, uh, is really, really going to need to rely on that command uh, and these new mechanics if he's going to make it in, in his pro career. Uh, but he's done that uh, in a short minor league career with the Marlins, and he um, got a little bit more room for growth. So, uh, yeah, a guy I pin for AAA next season. Um, could potentially contribute to the Marlins uh, next season.
1: His, I mean, I love everything you're saying. His his, um, his stats don't lie. I mean, I, I really liked him. I've, I've had my eye on him for a while now. He's a high K-rate guy. I mean, he's career 11.02 K per nine. That's really good. Who doesn't get hit, career 200 average against. I mean, that's also very, very good. Or give up many walks, career 2.8 uh, walks for nine, which is around average, you know? So his stuff, as you mentioned, isn't as amazing, but, um, you know, his his stats, as I mentioned, don't lie. His worst in his career was that first half of last year. Not horrible, just not up to his standards. But then the guy got promoted and dominated double-A. I mean, we're talking... 0.64 whip 125 average against 12.05 k per nine he did really well so he actually got better when he was promoted um just like CJ carter though he did have a horrendous fall league uh, last year again here hey, over 10 whip over two you get the picture um, those two guys didn't have like their their best months uh last year there but again we can chalk that up to them having long seasons um he joins all of the awesome bullpen guys who are in the AA, AAA levels, ready to show the big guys what they've got. Uh, it's a big list with Aiello, uh, CJ Carter, Dylan Lee, Evald, Stevens, and Bessia. Those guys are gonna fight it out, but we do have arms, they're ready. So let's continue here. Number 58, right-handed pitcher, George Soriano. Uh, signed as an international amateur in 2016 out of the DR, 21 years old. George played his professional season with Miami in 2016 at the DSL rookie level and did relatively well, but then missed all of 2017 with an injury. Um, I'm actually not exactly sure what that injury was. Uh, maybe, Alex, I mean, maybe Alex knows. I'm not 100% sure. But the point is, 2018, he was assigned to play stateside for the first time Um, at the GCL, and he absolutely dominated as a 19-year-old with a 1.91 ERA and a 0.87 whip. So it's spring training 2019, and I'm sitting next to him. We start talking. I ask him about life in the U.S., how he felt last year, and then we start talking about where he thinks he was going to start the 2019 season. Um, He says, well, all signs point to Batavia but I pray every day that I might have surprised someone, and who knows? Well, lo and behold, he skipped short season Batavia and was assigned to the Clinton Lumber Kings to begin the season. I remember seeing the list when it came out, and just a big smile on my face because I remember his, you know, his expression of, of hope of uh, skipping, a, a, you know, skipping Batavia, going, uh, going higher. So he started off with a bang in Clinton with a 1.53 ERA in April, in 18 innings but then was absolutely clobbered in may unfortunately so after a rocky first half uh, he killed it in the second half with a 2.83 era 1.08 whip and 1.97 average against in 60 innings um george is not a guy who will blow you away he has a low career k rate but he does generate weak contact with his 91 to 93 fastball and solid breaking ball um, he has a, he has only allowed 11 home runs in 218 innings, which is very good. which goes back to what I mentioned about that hard contact. I do see his future in longer middle relief, um, probably starting next season in high A Jupiter. What do you think, Alex?
0: Yeah, uh, definitely <laughs> like that personal story with George. That's awesome. But uh, yeah, uh, missed that season with injury. I I actually don't know either what the injury was. Um yeah, right. you know, a lot of these guys coming Doesn't out. Not much information. Yeah, a lot of these guys coming out internationally and they go through an injury like that, especially at the lower levels, you really don't hear a lot about it. You just go based off you know, the length of the injury and stuff like that. And you, you can kind of gauge it, but don't know anything official uh, on why he missed that time with the injury. But he did miss his entire 2017 season. Um, he didn't return until the end of June in 2018. Uh, so probably something pretty serious. Um, I'm not going to guess at what it was. I'm not going to put a label to it, but definitely something that that he went through. Um, He was able to come back well uh, 11 games that year 1.91 ERA 0.8, 0.87 thirty-six 36.9 KBB In 42 innings uh, And like Daniel said He got all the way To the Lumber Kings last year So the Marlins saw something In uh, George That let him skip a tavia All the way to the Lumber Kings And Daniel mentioned The results there Very good uh, 238 batting average against uh, 1.32 whip, 99.50 KBB um, He was shut down In mid-August And didn't pitch For the rest of the year So Clearly, the health here is something that is a bit of an ongoing issue for, for George Soriano. Um, good pitchers built to him, 6'2", 170. Um, due to his age and where he was drafted, he's always pitched over competition, but he's always been pretty effective uh, as long as he's been healthy. Simple mechanics, half-arm circle adds his deception because he speeds it up and is quick to the plate. Fastball changeup and curveball to him. No real standout pitch for George Soriano, which I do agree with Daniel that that limits his ceiling doesn't really have that big blow it by you pitch that he's going to rely on as a starter. So yeah, I definitely think he's a relief piece, but he does have good plane, uh, downward action, downward playing from a high three quarter slot, 93 up to 95 on the gun, usually between 91, 93. Um, fastball grades out at, you know, 45, 50, good solid downward movement, probably promoting a lot of ground ball contact. Uh, he has a 42% career ground ball rate so far. So I think that's where his future is. Um, Best pitch is a curveball, 50-55 grade pitch. Good feel for it. He can put it on corners, and he can bury it for swings and misses and weak contact. So, again, another pitch that he can place low in the zone and rely on for weak contact. Uh, Third pitch changeup also has a decent future. Flashes a solid one-plane, if not two-plane break to it. Uh, Similar downward action as the, the sinking heat. Uh, profiles, like I said, as the ground ball-inducing command and control are dispersed at the next level. Can get hit if his command is off, though, so that's something you got to watch out for. But uh, just need to see the health hold up long-term for a guy like George Soriano. But a guy that we could see moved up this list uh, in the pretty near future as a, as a pretty attractive bullpen piece for the Marlins, uh, because despite the missed time, uh, you know, he's been able to put it together pretty well. So, yeah, George Soriano, uh, future bullpen piece, and you like him there. Uh, we're going to 59. I got it. Milton Smith, Jr., Uh, Smith is a Marlins 22nd rounder out of Meridian Community College in Mississippi. It's the same all the matter as his new Marlins organizational mate, Corey Dickerson, and as Cliff Lee, a standout pitcher for the Phillies. Uh, He is both uh, uh, collegiate and current pro teammates with another guy on our list who we'll get to probably next episode, Davis Bradshaw. Uh, In a two-year collegiate career, Smith at 394, 463, 452, uh, what really stood out is the speed. 61.10 stolen base to caught stealing rate uh, before being drafted by the Marlins as a 22nd rounder in 2018. Uh, 657th overall, signed for 90k. Uh, spent most of 2018 with the GCL, hit 352, which was fifth best in the GCL, with a 433 on base percentage, which was also also fifth best in the, in the uh, GCL. Uh, was assigned to Jupiter uh, in early July that year, uh, but went down with an injury mid month. Back to the GCL at the end of July and finished the year there. Spent all of last year in extended spring in Batavia. Pretty good. Hit 305, 385, 320 uh, with Batavia. Uh, with, again, the standout speed, 25, 22.5 stolen base to caught ceiling rate. Uh, 38, 23 KBB. So a pretty good contact rate for this guy. Uh, seventh best batting average and eighth best on base percentage with a 121 WRC+. plus. So pretty good. Uh, pretty good stats, uh, especially after an injury. Uh, He's a really wiry, tiny little kid. Uh, 5'11", 165. Uh, The future is as a 4 average bat, uh, straight through hack and splash type cut. Uh, In two seasons, he's yet to hit a homer. Uh, So while we do expect that to change at some point, uh, he isn't going to hit for uh, much power. Uh, What he will do is rely on a simple hitting mechanics to come by a plus contact rate. Like I said, this guy makes contact more often than not. Can definitely always at least foul the ball off and uh, lengthen his at-bats and chances at the plate, wear a pitcher out, and uh, get a mistake pitch more often than not. Uh, he showed an advanced ability to hit uh, same-side pitching last year. Uh, lefties really, 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 really uh, took lefties uh, to the bank. Uh, he destroyed them. 412, 474, 431, uh, and 51 at-bats against left-handed pitching. Uh, we'll see if that next as he progresses, but you like that 1st uh, second indicator out of Milton Smith. Um, plays both left and center, but the speed suits him best for center fringy kind of arm not really a lot of plus strength to it limiting the defensive ceiling there because of that uh but he covers the ground really well because like i said the plus plus speed uh the fact that he has no power uh limits his ceiling especially in this marlins outfield competition which we've talked about uh but the contact pool really is really what uh what gives him a chance here with the marlins organization uh still 22 has some room to add size and power um if he can do that which I don't know if he can add much power. Definitely can add size. I don't know about much power. Mechanics don't really speak to it. Uh, But if he can start finding gaps and stuff like that and at least challenging outfielders and creating extra bases, um, he has potential to be slightly more. But uh, I limit the ceiling to a fourth outfielder or, uh, you know, late late game uh, replacement type piece. But uh, yeah, Milton Smith, definitely a a kind of depthy guy uh, that adds really, really solid depth to the organization. So yeah, you like Milton Smith in that regard.
1: Alex, how about that speed partnership that Milton Smith Smith and J.D. Orr formed in Batavia last year? For sure. Yeah, between the two of them, they sold 49 bases in about a 60-game season. Um, A a little, like, kind of similar players because of their speed and their profile, contact. But the reason I rank J.D. Orr higher is because, as you mentioned, I feel J.D. has more pop even yeah. if it is only gap power for now for JD. But as Milton, as you mentioned, zero home runs in his career, and only nine extra base hits in two seasons yep. while Orr had 12 just last season. So that's yeah. a big reason why um, I'd say we're much higher on JD or than, than we are on Milton Smith.
0: But, yeah. But yeah. Uh, J, uh, JD definitely has a, little, a lot more uppercut to the swing uh, than, uh, than Smith, who really is literally just straight through the zone with a hack and slash cut, like I mentioned. He's built for singles. Like I said, if you can add some uppercut to his swing, gain some launch angle, that's a really big thing for Milton Smith that will let him grow further. But yeah, uh, that's why JD's higher, as Daniel mentioned. But, anyways, we're going to number 60. Go ahead. N-
1: number 60. Um, first baseman Lazaro Alonso. He made it to Miami as an international amateur in 2016 out of Cuba. Uh, 25 years old. He's 6'3, 220. And he, Alonso, he's the guy who has been creeping up my list little by little. Um, he's that guy who I subconsciously want to discard, right, because of his age and level as well as his profile as a first base only guy who can actually field his position. But his bat just keeps him in the conversation, um, especially after the amazing 2019 he had. Ladies and gentlemen, Lazaro Alonso has a career 130 WRC plus. That's outstanding. As I mentioned before, the bat is his only calling card to the big leagues. That's it. It's the bat, nothing else. Um, something to keep in mind, though, is that he has a very high career BABIP. <clears throat> it's, it's around the 360s. But, but after three years of it not really coming down, it simply may be his normal, you know, instead of just luck such as a guy like Alfaro who hits the ball hard. um, As I mentioned before, he had a great 2019 season in the very, very pitcher-friendly Florida State League where he struggled in 2018 to finish the season. Um, Last season, he actually led, he led that league in, in OPS. He improved his contact, his power, his K percentage and even fielding a little bit (laughs) was promoted to double-A, but sent back down after we got Lewin, uh, Lewin Diaz struggled in double-A during those 13 games though. Um, I exchanged a few tweets with the great Eli Sussman from fish stripes regarding Alonso and his possibilities to ever make it to the bigs. Um, But he probably needs to jump about 10 spots in our list. Um, if it is confirmed that TNL will feature the DH, because that will that would definitely increase his chances of making it. He has the bat, you know. Obviously, I want to see him do it in Double A AA and Triple A, but again, the bat's there. If if he can play a DH, he doesn't he doesn't need anything else. He doesn't have speed either. That's also true. But again, very interesting guy. Um, he keeps he keeps on hitting. Let's see what happens next season look for him to be our starter either at, you know, first base or a TH next season in double A.
0: Yeah, Daniel, you pretty much said it all on the Lazaro. Um, the mechanics, I will say this on his mechanics, um, you know, you don't really look too far, you know, in terms of a, a big league, you know, floor or ceiling for a guy like Lazaro who literally is bat only, you know, 15 and 16 errors in his two, two minor league seasons, So, yeah, especially where the age is. If that doesn't improve, he's definitely a bat only type piece. But like you said, with the uh, NL adoption of DH, uh, could do something with the Marlins and could make the most of the Marlins. But in terms of the mechanics, I really like him, uh, especially at this level of his career and where this guy was at his level of his career. He reminds me of Mike Stanton. Um, he has a similar swing and miss potential as Stanton, career K rate uh, just in two seasons in the minors at 28%. Um, but he does have good vision for a guy of his makeup. Uh, career walk rate near 13%. Um, the big hole in his offense is he is extreme pull favor, pull up, uh, literally only pull. Um, really needs to show the ability to you know keep the head down on the ball, and not pull off on every single pitch that he swings at if he's going to make it. Uh, you know even as a bad only take piece. So yeah, you want to see him cover the entire the entire. Uh, Plate, uh it, especially if he's going to profile as a DH. Um, he's already 25, um, you know, so he's going to need to sort it out in pretty short order. Um, and against upper minors competition, like you said, he's probably going to be Double A next year. Um, but he's got a good track record of being able to adjust. Um, like you said, he's been able to jump levels. You know, after struggling at a certain level, he comes back the next season and destroys it. Really, really, really killed it with the Hammerheads last year. Like you mentioned. Uh, in the Florida State League, which you just don't see a guy hit what he hit. 294, 393, 434 in the Florida State League. That you don't hear about. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, third best batting average that uh, last year for the Hammerheads, uh, the Florida State League. Uh, best on base percentage and fourth best slugging percentage, as well as the second best WRC Plus at 147. So, yeah, uh, did a lot of his damage in the second half of the year. Hit 333, 428, 474. So like we said, a guy that is able to adjust and hit uh, against uh, the competition that he grows uh, and uh, is approached with. So yeah, you like to see that out of a guy like Lazaro Alonso. Uh, he's a huge dude. Uh, we list, They list him at 6'3", 220. I think he's bigger than that. I think he's probably like 6'3", 240, 245. He's massive. So mm-hmm. yeah, a guy that just keeps adding size, keeps adding strength, and continues to improve at the plate. So you like Lazaro Alonso as a future dh to. Uh, PH pinch candidate for the Marlins. Uh, uh, we're gonna go to 61. Uh, Remy Reed. Uh, uh, uh starter Remy Reed. Uh, a Darkhurst candidate to contribute to the Marlins for me and soon. He's a six-round draftee from 2016 out of Oklahoma State. Uh, went there for two years out of a single season in JUCO. Uh, almost exclusively a pen piece in college. Just five starts in 63 appearances. But based off the huge size and the good three-pitch mechs that he already had, a guy that the Marlins thought they could turn into a rotational piece. Uh, experimented with that in his first season. Probe Batavia, 15 games, 11 starts. Uh, new regular stress on the arm took the toll on Remy Reed, and he missed the entire season again. Surprise, Tommy John surgery. <laughs> Reed came back last year, and the Marlins chose to con- chose to continue his development as a starter despite the surgery. Um, they're glad they did because between Batavia and Clinton, he posted a 2.75 ERA, 1.10 WHIP. 76-14 KBB in innings, 75.1 innings pitch. Uh, he just turned 25. Uh, he's never pitched above A ball. So he's another guy who's going to be pushed hard next MILB season uh, in 2021, uh, after which he will be Rule 5 eligible. So he's going to have a telling season coming up for him with the Marlins uh, when it comes to his future with the Marlins organization. Uh, if the stats and health can hold up, I think the Marlins will be wise to protect him. Uh, he's 6'5", 230, and he knows his size really well. Smooth, simple delivery, natural downward plane because of the size. Quick winder reliefs. Stuff can get downright nasty. Fastball up as high as 96, sitting 92, 94. Best pitch is a curveball. Drops it all the way down to 76, 78. So, obviously we like to see that. Big high arc. Uh, equally big late drop to the spot and a pitch that he can throw and will throw in any count for quality strikes. Uh, whether it be a swing and mess out of the zone or just pounding a corner. Or he can even because of the break, he can even throw it past the guy, even if it lines up right down the middle. So it's a really big pitch for him. Good, deep 12-6 vertical movement on that pitch. Also has a bit of lateral run to it. So yeah, it's a deadly pitch for him. Uh, mixes in a changeup, high 80s. That's a third pitch for him. Uh, because of the command, though, it can live up to at least a 40 to 45th grade. So yeah, a guy with two plus pitches and uh, one, plus plus, one plus plus pitch uh, being that curveball that we mentioned. So yeah, with a very good command and control, especially a, a guy that can bury it on the lower half, and a guy that has induced grounders at a 40% rate in the minors. Uh, Despite the Tommy John surgery, I like him as a guy who could contribute, like I said, as a dark horse candidate and challenge, even for a rotation spot uh, at the back end of the rotation, obviously, if not definitely a bullpen piece uh, in the next year to year and a half to possibly two years for the Marlins. Uh, They have some decisions to make with this guy. Like I said, we five eligible. But uh, as a guy who's pretty close, I think that we should protect him.
1: I think we've completed our our, – Jupiter rotation with 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 our our list. I'm seeing it as Max Meyer, Kyle Nicholas, maybe if they decide to start him there, either there or or uh, at Single A. Uh, so Max Meyer, Kyle Nicholas, Alberto Guerrero, Josh Roberson, and Remy Reed with George Soriano. You know, maybe doing some spot starts bullpen. What do you think about that? How does that how does that rotation look?
0: Yeah. Pending Nicholas and what, what they decide to do with him. I Mm. I think you're right on with it. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think Soriano, if they don't start, you know, if they don't start Nicholas there, if they decide to start Nicholas with Clinton, then I think it could potentially be Soriano in that role. You mix the match a little bit there, but I think you got four out of the five, right? Nice.
1: All right. Let's continue here. Number 62 outfielder, Jorge Caballero, uh, signed as an international amateur in 2016 out of Venezuela. Uh, neighboring country here in Colombia. 20 years old 6'1 170 um this kid is someone i was very high on before the start of last season well I mean, i'm still high on him but the issue is he was slated to be a starter for a short season in batavia um, but missed all of 2019 with an injury um that well i mean it was never made public so at this point we can only guess what happened um, but he missed all of 2019, surprisingly. So he essentially lost a year of development. Um, good news is that he was healthy and looking great this spring, according to Alex here, who, who saw him personally. So very good bet on this kid. In two seasons at, at a rookie level, a DSL and then GCL, he has a 125 WRC+, 390 career OBP, um, solid fielder with a good arm, Uh, The reason, though, I mean, everything you've heard is nice, but the reason this kid is down here in the 60s are the following, in my opinion. One is, as I mentioned before, he lost a full year of development. Um, Up to now, he has only played in rookie level, so we haven't really seen him um, as much as we'd like. Uh, Also, while he has shown great discipline and a beautiful swing, um, he has only really given us gap power for now. So no home run power yet, but everything I've heard is that, is that it's coming. You know, that, that power is coming. Uh, his K rate is jumped to 25% last season. Um, the last season he played, which is very high. If you're not hitting 20 home runs. And lastly, while he did have a beautiful 408 OBP in 2018, he also had a crazy 429 BABIP. Uh, so we need to see what happens when that comes back down to earth, which, which it will. Um, The main reason, actually, why I was so high on him, and again, still am, was because before that 2019 season, I asked several lower-level guys, um, especially the Aladdin boys, who just randomly, you know, who they thought was really good from the lower levels, and and several mentioned him, you know, they they talk about him, they call him skinny but scary, they said, Um, so let's see if he can answer these questions and jump on this list, He, he definitely has the potential.
0: Yeah, this is a guy who, like you said, he went through the injury. It's another guy uh, that went through an injury, uh, obviously a pretty big injury that we don't know a lot about because, uh, you know, these guys back, uh, you know, in international leagues, they go through an injury, and it's not always made public what that injury is, Uh, and this was another guy. He missed all of last year with some type of injury. We don't know what it was. Um, I will say for him, we saw him in camp this year. Uh, He looked healthy and looked to have added size on his listed six one one seventy. I think he added at least – 15 to 20 pounds to that because he looked a lot bigger to me uh we saw him go yard in a sim game which is a really great sign for us power hasn't been a strong suit at all um and it's something that he'll need to add if he's going to compete in this future marlins outfield with all these other guys that we already have uh so yeah marlins think he can based off the youth and the fact that he just made it stateside and is getting used to pro facilities working out in with pro coaches uh, you know, in in stadiums uh, such as Roger Dean Stadium that has a gorgeous gym, so stuff like that. Uh, when he gets around these facilities and he's really able to add size, which he looked to do, like we just mentioned, um, yeah, I mean, he's a guy. If he adds the power, uh, he can go far, and he can definitely challenge for a spot in the Marlins outfield. But there's a lot of question marks around him, and that's why he's so low on our list. Uh, again, he missed the entire year last year. Um, like we said, uh, it's hard to pry information about what that injury was, but. Like we said, he looks to have been able to come back from it pretty, pretty advantageously. Um, the fact that he's added size for us is huge. Um, if he can't continue to add hit for power like we saw in spring, that's really massive for him. Um, he could be primed for a breakout year this coming, uh, this coming minor league season in 2021. Uh, we're gonna go to 63. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna go to 63, and this will be the last guy we cover on this uh, particular podcast. Uh, it's number 63, Brady Puckett, and again. Another Tommy John recipient in the Marlin system. A 2017 draftee out of Lipscomb University in Tennessee, where he threw a lot of innings worth of baseball. This is leading into the Tommy John surgery. 288 innings in a three-year collegiate career. Uh, Really good career numbers in college. 3.78 ERA, 1.16 WIP, 216.67 KBB, which is a 3.2 strikeout-to-walk ratio, which is pretty good. So he's striking out guys three times more than he's walking guys. So you love to see that. Uh, wins to loss record. We don't put a lot of stock into that, but 24-11. So you'd like to see that uh, as an as a, uh, afterthought. Uh, came to the Marlins in 2018 and the stats uh, immediately impressed. Uh, pitched across three levels. Uh, so immediately he's getting pushed pretty hard. 2.56 ERA, 1.18 whip. 98-18 KBB. So standout command and control, obviously, uh, for uh, Brady Puckett. Uh, 126.2 innings pitched. So again, a lot of innings spent most of his time pitching for the hammerheads against guys a year older than him uh, at that level of 2.33 ERA, 1.17 with 42, 13 KBB uh, in three years. Like we said, Puckett through 508 innings. So despite his low effort to his delivery, which we'll get to, that amount of use really took his toll on him. Uh, and he suffered an elbow injury that required the Tommy John went to James Andrews. Uh, that said, and we've already talked about it, the Marlins' ability and confidence in uh, their ability to do it, to bring guys back from Tommy John. Uh, this is a guy, you know, if he can come back from it, he possesses ridiculous tools that are rarely found in any other pitcher. Uh, he is absolutely massive in his size. He is the biggest pitcher in the system, hands down. He is 6'8", six, eight, six two 220 pounds, making him a guy who is only outgrown by just a few of his peers uh, across minor league baseball, uh, both past and present, really. Uh, he, stands as a, he stands tall, literally and figuratively, as a guy who comps wealth to me, to Doug Pfister. And here's why. Uh, he's an off-speed artist uh, and sinking fastball specialist with 50-grade control and command, uh, possibly up to 60-grade control and command. Uh, we'll need to see a little bit more. But definitely the control and command sets him apart. Uh, It's a plus tool for him for sure. Potentially a plus plus tool. Uh, Natural downward plane, as you can imagine from the size. Uh, Like we said, the sinking fastball, 89 to 91. So low V low and low effort. Uh, He can get up to 93, but that's rare. Um, Best pitch is an 11-5 curve, which is already big league ready. Uh, This pitch shows tight arc and break to any spot in the lower half. Uh, He can get nasty with it, burying it for whiffs in the dirt. Uh, The deception is what leads into that. Uh, He has an improving slider. Uh, it has a 50 grade future currently probably 35, 40 grade, but yeah, if you can build that, uh, definitely a good three pitch mix, uh, for Brady Puckett. Um, he is a guy that has the makings of a changeup, but right now it's purely just a mix and pitch. So we'll see where he can go with that. But even just as a three pitch pitcher, because of the size, you really, really like Brady. Uh, he's a strike zone pounder, literally pounds of strike. zone. Mm-hmm. So can go out of the zone, uh, when he's favorable in the count, but, um, really, really pounds the zone usually, uh, in both uh, neutral and uh, accounts that he's behind in, especially, uh, which is rare, but he can't get behind an the account. And if he does, he can still blow it by guys. Uh, he's got a silky smooth delivery despite the huge, huge size. Like we said, low effort stuff, um, size and limited, really, really limited shortened distance to the plate. Uh, like we said, he pounds his own. Best attribute is the ability to limit the walks. Uh, Like we said, no velo, but he has a separation still. He can still mix speeds. Despite, you know, being a guy who's only up to 93, 94 to fastball, he's all the way down to 68, 69 with that curveball you talked about. Uh, He's already 25. This is a crux for him. He's already 25. He missed a full year uh, already and is going to be missing probably another one. Uh, But even without, you know, COVID and everything else, he hadn't even started throwing off of a mound yet near the cancellation of spring training. So a third of the way through spring, or actually more than halfway through spring training, you should say, um, he wasn't even throwing off of a mound yet. So probably wasn't going to be ready for opening day. Uh, so due to the gap in baseball activity, which is growing even bigger uh, and he's yet to show it at the upper minors, uh, like we said, so he's probably looking at a long relief to swing man sailing at the next level. Um, but like we said, Great. he's huge uh, and could potentially thrive in that role. Uh, just based off, like we said, a three pitch mix, uh, all three pitchers are solid. Got the plus plus curveball, really good fastball with sinking action to, induce the grounder so uh he's not rule five eligible so 2022 so he can still contribute to the marlins in that swingman uh role so yeah brady puckett really nice kid has a really nice family we talk to his dad all the time on twitter actually really nice guy so yeah uh brady puckett uh a guy that you like uh was going to be a starter because of the gap in the uh development it's really going to hurt him uh we limit his ceiling to a swingman, but uh definitely a guy who could contribute
1: yeah exactly um as you mentioned pounds the zone I mean he does get hit around a bit if you look at his average against it is high um, but he minimizes the damage you know that ERA and the um, and the fielding independent pitching both are very low so it's it's legit um, he minimizes the, the, the damage from those hits doesn't walk which is the most frustrating things out of pitcher uh, out of pitchers uh, elite walk rate as you mentioned 140 it doesn't give him any home runs. so I mean all good stuff
0: For sure. Uh, We'll see what happens with Brady. All right, guys. uh, That's going to do it for episode three of Swimming Upstream and mine and Daniel's uh, deep dive into the Marlins minor league pool. We're Uh, going deep. Yes, we are. Starting to get really deep on some of these guys. uh, Some of these guys that a lot of fans haven't heard of. And we're so excited to bring it to you guys. Bring you guys the bios and the scouting on some of these guys that you may not know about yet, but you should get to know uh, in the next season or two. Uh, All these guys that we mentioned tonight are definitely right there with it. So we're excited to be with you guys. We always appreciate the time that you spend with us. We are so happy that this project has taken off the way it has. And we really, really appreciate your support. So for Alex and Daniel, we will see you guys next time for episode four. We'll go even deeper, Daniel, on Swimming Upstream. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. And we'll see you next time.